Hi, I'm Mark Haywood, and this is Behind the Spine, a podcast which finds learning opportunities for writers in the most unlikely of places. For me, the most important measure is make people happy, give them some hope, give them some joy. Which book or film has had the most significant impact on your life? Though it may be a work of fiction or something entirely disconnected from your day-to-day life, there's a good chance you have an answer to that question. Storytelling has the power to transform lives. It can offer us fresh perspectives and learning opportunities on aspects of life we thought we had a handle on. And through escapism, it can provide relief from the struggles of day-to-day life. In fact, the charity Medicinema uses that escapism to provide cinema therapy for patients suffering with long-term health issues. But while we long to be part of the stories that have guided our lives, we often forget the importance of the one which has truly shaped us, the story of our own life. As writers, guided by our own experiences, without that story, we couldn't write. It's often said that when we're close to death, we see life flash before our eyes. But I'm hoping today's conversation will lead you to reflect on your life way before that, to look back more regularly, more pensively, more positively, because one day, The construct of memories that form those experiences may fade away. Our guest today is Jörg Roth, founder and trustee of My Life Films, a UK charity dedicated to improving the lives of people affected by dementia through storytelling. Chapter 1. Lost, then found. For people living with dementia, their sense of the present is altered. The reality they experience isn't the same as ours, but importantly, it is no less real. But in a world where we're always either chasing the dream of tomorrow or being told to live in the moment, it's hard for us to accept that. We're led to believe that if you can't live in the present, then you must be suffering. What's truly powerful about My Life Films is that it makes us question that belief. Jörg says, in setting up the charity, he's seen firsthand the power of revisiting the past. My wife actually had the idea. We came across that topic that people with dementia can't really watch television anymore and they cannot really be entertained. And my auntie is in palliative care and television is a great partner for her because it kills hours and kills time. And we thought with our television and filmmaking background, oh, that's, that's, that's quite bad that people cannot watch anything anymore. So... We remember that I made films for my parents when they were 60 about their lives. And and it was so emotional. It was so uh, amazing to see my dad, who's like a typical, you know, from that generation, wouldn't show that many emotions. And then he saw himself in his old Lederhosen in the Black Forest in Germany and outside his house with his friends around the campfire. And he got so emotional. He he came up to me, hugged me and kissed me. And, um, I mean, you know, he, he is an emotional person, but he doesn't really show it normally. And so that, that powerful moment connected, you know, with the lack of entertainment for people with dementia. And it was literally that. We are not sort of psychologists. We are not medical experts. We're just filmmakers. We realized maybe there is something we can try that we make films about people's lives because that's what they remember, people living with dementia. They would remember their own lives. They would recognize their wife when she was young, even though they might not recognize her anymore today. And uh, maybe bring them some joy and some relief in these in these hours when they are there and, and feeling lost. And that's that's how it started. I went to volunteer in a group in Woolwich in southeast London just to understand dementia because I didn't have any personal experience with it. 
And every Tuesday, I spend two hours with a group run by Pam Schweitzer, who is an amazing woman who does reminiscence therapy for people with dementia. And I was singing, holding hands, dancing, and painting with people. And I came back every week and said to my wife, that's the best thing I've ever done. It was so close to the person. It was all so satisfying. And um, then one of the families there declared that, yes, they would like to try this experiment with us. It was an Irish family, a, a builder. And we made that film and went to the premiere. We made a big point of making a premiere. And, and I was blown away by the response by Paddy, the person with dementia, and their family, and the joy we brought to them, and just celebrating his life rather than sort of mourning the loss of it. You know, we were, were showing him his great life he's lived, and um, we're showing their family as well why they love him so much, because there was very, very difficult times for them at the time. And I, I suppose everyone who gets in touch with us, I could say, come to a premiere with us, because whenever you're at a premiere, you get hooked. You can be as hard as a stone, you will shed a tear, you'll start crying. Because the emotion in the room when you celebrate that person's life is just amazing. You mentioned the word lost, and that's typically the stereotypical image that we have of people with dementia is that they are lost. Um, they are a moment in time that has passed, and, and we often think of them as being empty, but they're not. They're, they're full of memories and what you're trying to do as i understand it is find a way for those memories to be brought back to life that would seem to me to have an amazing impact on the happiness of an individual who would otherwise be lost is that am i right there is that is that what you're what you're seeing absolutely absolutely i think we we, we are just finding avenues in, to, in into the brain of that person that the normal roots are blocked in a way, yeah. Sort of, it's 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 very deep subconscious, and um, our storytelling is very very limited. I'm I'm actually background is in tabloid journalism, tabloid television. So we were always all about emotion and sort of make the pictures talk, and that's almost like what we have to do here, because you cannot hit them with loads of script. Our films, the long films for people with dementia, do not have any script. They literally, two-thirds of it is just music and images, and one-third is talking hat interview. So the storytelling almost goes back to the most basic level because the basic things will still connect with the person living with dementia. So it's the music and it's the familiarity with old images. But if you would start like with a script which would hit that person with loads of facts and details about their own lives, they get lost. It's it's that sort of almost subconscious connection they can make. It's it's I think like when you watch films, a good film hits you even though you don't understand straight away what's going on. For me, it's the typical Bond. You know, Bond always jumps off some sort of cliff in the beginning, and it doesn't matter what the context is. It's it's Bond. Yeah, sort of it resonates with you. And so, in a way, we we're doing this on a very very basic level with feel good a music which reminds me of my past, of, of good times, and then I see myself you know, as a little boy, as a little girl, and that makes me happy. Good memories make everyone happy, and having them delivered on the big screen with a bit of Hollywood music works fantastically for people living with dementia. Chapter 2, Slowing Down If you're trapped in lockdown, then life may seem slow at the moment. 
But that doesn't mean our minds have calmed. In fact, they seem to be racing faster than ever. But as writers and producers, there is a way we can help with that. In a lockdown special of the BBC Spring Watch, there was a two-minute segment in each episode dedicated to footage with no voiceover, no music, no accompaniment, just images of nature. That sort of stillness not only allows you to connect more closely with what you're watching, but it also serves as respite for your mind. The My Life group has taken the concept further by teaming up with Kew Gardens, airing footage of gardeners just, well, gardening. That's sort of our other product, if you like. You know, the personalized films was what we started with. But when COVID came, we obviously realized, well, we cannot really get into family homes anymore and interview people directly. So, but people are even more isolated at the moment. So we came up with this Netflix for people living with dementia called My Life TV, which is a streaming service which delivers bespoke content for people living with dementia, which works for them, which are slow, which are not very complex and complicated, which are not about their personal own life, but about their interests. So very similar to our original product, My Life TV wants to connect in a very basic way with the people living with dementia on a level which they can still emotionally well, understand. And um, mindfulness is one very, very sort of big thing. And a lot of these organizations like Kew Gardens, they have outreach programs for people living with dementia, where they would do nature walks in the, in the gardens and would basically just show them beautiful surroundings, let them smell the roses and, and watch the gardeners. And um, we, we are experimenting live on air, if you like, at the moment with My Life TV and Kew Gardens the slow TV of seeing a gardener pruning roses or other gardeners looking after the palms in the palm in a tree in the palm tree house. I think it gives people some comfort and some calmness. There's, you know, gardening always comes up as, as a hobby when we interview people with dementia. And so seeing beautiful gardens and well, in an ideal world, we could even offer the smells, but obviously that's not possible yet. But um, that that is something which still connects with these people's minds and uh, gives them hopefully a bit of happiness not for everyone but because it's a digital platform if you don't like it you're not watching it you're going to go watch something else and it eventually learns what your preferences are and because it is a digital platform presumably your aim is to get this in front of as many people as possible is that right yes we want my life tv to be available to every single person in britain ideally and um, it's it's free for three months and then it's going to be four pounds a month. And it's not for profit. The four pounds is only there so that we can actually eventually start paying license fees to suppliers. Because at the moment, everyone has given us the material for free because it's COVID and everybody understands it. it's really like an emergency project. That's our ambition. It was the ambition as well when we started My Life Films and we wanted to make a personalized film for every person living with dementia in Great Britain, that was the ambition and still is the ambition. It was obviously never fully realistic. We cannot make 800,000 films. But um, these digital platforms like My Life TV obviously help help you to reach far more people because it's over the top. It's, you know, through the internet. It's very cheap. It's very, um, you know, you can spread it out easily. And our hope is that we started only last week and we have 30 subscribers now, so it's in the beginning, but we hope that we can get to 1,000 by the end of the year. And if we're lucky and we get a lot of pickup in the media, um, I'm sure we'll reach far, far more people. One of the earliest guests that we had on was the editor 
in chief of gamesradar.com and she spoke about the fact that one of the most popular games during lockdown was a game called Animal Crossing which is not really a conventional game it's not it's not high concept it's not a shoot 'em up it's not a, a football game it's a very simple connection with nature and it goes back to the mindfulness um word that you used um earlier on there is something about nature that is calming isn't there yeah i think nature is a great area and suppose anything that carries a, a certain emotion um, and, and nature is probably beauty and you feel you know you, you leave the shackles of your daily work life behind and you you can breathe in fresh air and you look at the countryside you see the wonder of, of, of nature and the bee flies from the rose to rose and I, I think the same thing works as well with other things like laughter uh, we were really surprised when we put on laughter tracks and it's literally just people laughing very infectiously so we put that on my live tv and feedback the first feedback was one lady said oh we don't like this because why are these people laughing at me she, she it wasn't right for her and then the other lady she just cannot stop laughing and she laughs it so much and laughter makes you feel happy and laughter releases endorphins and you're becoming sort of i would say healthier and um, and, and that lady in particular which we have a clip of as well in the bbc news um, item she she was always quite depressed and she really you know had was very teary as as the care worker says and um, they show her these five minutes of laughter and she absolutely gets belly aches and um, and, 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 and and connecting to these sort of very simple emotions which are deeply memorized laughter is good for me you know nature is great kittens and puppies no surprise the most popular items on the platform at the moment just kittens playing around puppies who doesn't like a little puppy uh, in our case these puppies don't run against lamp posts or you know they're, they're, they're not sort of any complicated stories around it. it's just like puppies playing kittens playing and give this to somebody for 10 15 minutes they get distracted maybe from the stresses and the unhappiness they might experience and and and, 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 are, and are for a moment just in a happy space and i think that's all what we want we are not into complicated out puts you know we're not looking at Im amazing impacts you know which you can measure on 15 different levels for me the most important measure is make people happy give them some hope give them some joy in their day which 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 will help as well the care worker and the family members because if a person which might be feeling lost and it might be sometimes yeah very difficult to deal with um if they sit quietly in their armchair and are happy that means it's 15 minutes of respite for you as well and therefore the, the whole person and care worker or family member relationship improves as well i think that's a really important point and i would imagine that when we're talking about the personalized films that you make it's an opportunity for the caregiver or the care provider to understand the person they're looking after a, a lot more than they, they otherwise would because if the person they're looking after isn't necessarily able to talk about their lives because of the fact that they have dementia um then there's a sense that you don't know who you're looking after so has that has that had an impact massive massive impact and um again with the innocence of us starting this trying to entertain people we didn't even think about the care worker or the caregiver that they might benefit greatly from this and therefore as well the person living with dementia People in the NHS would get an A4 sheet of paper with information about your life. There would be your full name on there, not your nickname. So you, you might have been called um, 
Mickey the whole life long, but your name says Mark. So they would call you Mark all the time. The person living with dementia might not even understand who they're talking to because I'm Mickey, not I'm Mark. And um, the short film we are making, which is like a four minute vignette, which is purely for the person looking after the person living with dementia. So it's too fast moving, it's too complex, there's too much information in there, there's too much script in there really to be suitable for the person with dementia. But that four minute clip gives you an emotional buy-in into the person you're looking after. So Mark, if I would come to care for you tomorrow, I wouldn't know much about you. Same when you came to care for me. But if you or I could watch a four minute clip about you or my life on your phone just beforehand, it's password protected, then I would come in and would not say, oh, nice weather, mate. Yeah, but I would probably go in straight away. Oh, remember that beautiful dog you had. And we always say when people watch these four minute films, these very short films for care workers, if you can remember three or four things about that person, and those are not facts as in what was your birthday or you know which city you were born in, but it's more about three of your passions, three of your hobbies, then you already understand that person far better than most people do at the moment. And that will help you greatly. And one of the benefits we found in the NHS trial into the effective effectiveness of our films was that the carer person with dementia relationship improved massively and therefore the quality of care. Chapter three, the measure of a life. By now, you should be pretty clear on Jorg's message that simplicity can be cathartic. And for people with dementia, it's essential. And though you might argue there's nothing more nuanced and intricate than the story of a person's life, when you boil it down, there really are just a few very simple things that are important to someone. Family, friends, love, laughter. So what's the starting point for a filmmaker when you're attempting to get the measure of a person? The starting point is always that ideally the person living with dementia can fully participate themselves. So a person living with dementia might have a seven-year lifespan in average after they get diagnosed. So in an, in, a, in an ideal world, we're trying to get in as early as possible so that person can actively participate. We, we have young filmmakers. Um, they don't have to be young, but they tend not, most of the time they come out of uni, don't have a job, and then we'll train them up and they get their first sort of credits. And we would go in and, 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 and it's almost like a Facebook timeline. We'd ask them to put all the images of that person's life on the kitchen table, so from birth till today so that we can get a visual image of that person's life. And um, unfortunately, when the person doesn't have any pictures, we cannot make a film. So that, that is sometimes very frustrating because there's a person who would like to have a film, but we cannot make that film because we need, obviously, the visuals for it. And it's based solely on, 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 on still images. Sometimes we have moving images, but because it's quite costly to make a film, we're trying to keep it as simple as possible. So it would be still images. Every image will be scanned and later on shown at an average of seven seconds. So it's very slow. There's always a Pete Byrne zoom on it. So it constantly gets closer to you when you watch this. We would, in that process, find out who are the living relatives who could contribute to the story and to, to that person's life story. And then we interview the person with dementia, their partner and the children and um, sometimes like a brother or a sister, but rarely more than five or six people. And um, it's, it's quite hard sometimes to tell families we, we don't really want to interview the grandchildren, because in a way the grandchildren are not part of that life story as much as lots of families would like them to be, because the film is mainly about the first half of the person's life. Because the last half, the second half, 
quite often these people don't remember as much anymore because they forget the most recent things and they you know tend to remember the early life so we're trying to focus on the first half of a person's life and then basically it's 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 an, uh, chronologically it is a very simple way i i had a lot of filmmakers who came in and I, and they are really you know raring to go and make an amazing film and this and then i said no look mate leave all your ambitions at home it's going to be basic stuff just images music and some interviews yeah so forget that pixar opening you have in mind it is literally just um, a, a very sort of standardized uh, product and uh, what you have to do as a filmmaker is literally understand that story of that person and do storytelling without using your own words it is a challenge it's all about the images and music and get the, the sort of the, the right emotion across get the feeling connect with that person and the feedback we're getting from the families is amazing the filmmakers literally nail it every time and there, there are some filmmakers who are still in touch with families because they make such a close connection with these people when they make the films which is which is beautiful yeah who doesn't like somebody to come into your house and ask you all about your life and then deliver you a film which makes you just be happy about what you've achieved in your life and to be celebrated very brave storytelling because it goes against many of the things that we're often taught as writers or filmmakers or, or or storytellers and we've talked on this show a lot about the transformational power of storytelling and what you're proving with your work is that that doesn't have to include the pixar opening that you mentioned it can be as simple as a set of images set to music because it means so much to the person watching it even though the audience for that is small as in the family um you know concerned that is enough. That is storytelling in its purest form because it has such a powerful connection. That must have been an absolute privilege for you to see the impact that this can have on an individual's um, happiness. Yes. This is the first charity I'm involved, like on a, on a, well, I set it up and it's the first charity I set it up. And I, I didn't realize how much work it actually is. But watching people having premieres and them sometimes inviting up to 70 or 80 people, red carpet, champagne, you know, in church halls. It's just like, it's the best thing I've done in my life. And, and, and when I see filmmakers coming back and they're just like, they, I say like, oh yeah, you got hooked now, you know, you, you, you got the bark. As in, it's, it's so powerful when you can deliver. And I, I've personally delivered television in Germany for 8 million or, you know, we had shows in America, I had shows on in England and it was fantastic to see you have like a million people watching your show. But if you have four or five people literally thinking this is the best TV show they've ever seen in their lives, and you know that they're going to watch it every week, and they will watch it long after the person might have passed on, because it's their family story, it's priceless. Yeah, absolutely. So we're recording this um, early in January 2021. Um can you just talk a little bit more about plans for the year in terms of the rollout? I'm guessing that that My Life TV is is where your focus is going to be given, as you said, access to families is restricted at the moment. Um, we're trying to get this into what into every home, every care home in front of anyone that needs it. Yes, that would be ideal. When you're a small charity like ours, you you, you constantly see very clearly what you're lacking <laughs> and what we're lacking at the moment is really the marketing expertise and um, i've got some friends from the marketing world who are helping us and we are now literally setting up a scheme where we can roll it out 
in in a more efficient way because as a small charity you don't you only have that much organic reach you need sort of paid social media you need multipliers evangelists you know who can speak about it influences um but when you're like you know four men and a dog sort of running something like this you don't have that um so so if there's somebody out there who would like to help us please come and uh, contact us we are desperate to get people to help us to roll it out um it can be rolled out very simply because you just log on sign up you know so there's no like complicated onboarding process um, and that's our focus for now we've managed to do a lot of remote filmmaking as well for the traditional my life films packages and um, where we interview families and people on zoom or you know um, skype so we haven't seized the bread and butter product which we've developed but the the digital rollout of my life tv is the focus yes well, we wish you every success with not just 2021, but um, beyond. It's an astonishing endeavor and you should all be very proud of what you've done. So on that note, Jorgrof, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Conclusion. A massive thank you then to Jorgrof for joining me on the podcast. And to recap, what have we learned? We all need a bit of stillness in our lives right now. As a writer, consider how you tell a story through nothingness or perhaps without even using words. Perhaps slow television can become slow reading or even slow podcasting. Uncomplicate your writing and treasure the mundane because sometimes simplicity is all we need. Stereotypes are forged through what we can see and they are blind to what we can't and that's where they falter. We often think people living with dementia have been left empty, but that is far from being true. Jorgenist team are flipping the narrative by exploring the memories they still have, the unseen past that defines them. Challenge stereotypes in your writing. Flip the narrative. And finally, nature is good for the soul. When you do go out for your daily walk, try and surround yourself with nature. You'll be better for it. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Haywood. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook as at Behind the Spine. New episodes are released weekly. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Goodbye for now. Stay safe and keep writing.